All right, everyone, we're back. Episode 70, special one today. I'm really excited for. Um, I've probably talked about this on the podcast a lot, but uh, I'm here with Jordan Welker. You guys can see we got kind of an awkward one setup screen if you're watching on YouTube. But uh, Jordan is actually the one that got me into lifting in college that like kind of just convinced me to do strength training, took me under his wing, programmed for me. We'll talk about all of it on the pod, but Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Welker. Hey, nice to meet you. This is your first ever podcast appearance? Yes. All right, well, I'm pumped. So I I guess we'll start at like the beginning and then we'll get into all these stories because every once in a while on the pod, I feel like I reference stories from our college gym and like our college powerlifting club and people don't like believe the stories or uh, they think I'm, I'm uh, exaggerating or fibbing or whatever, but all this stuff's real. I'm going to bring up some funny stories. A bunch of people from college sending questions and topics and stuff. So I'm excited to bring them in. But how this all started, Jordan trained at the gym, our, our rec center, Heron Hall. We'll just set the we'll set we'll set it all up because we're going to reference Heron Hall a lot. That was our college gym. Um, I started going before class at like six, six thirty in the morning. I noticed the biggest guy in there, the strongest guy in there. And I was like crap, I, I want to look like that. I want to do that stuff. And I approached him and it was just, he was like, yeah, sure. Show up at six in the morning. And I just started showing up at six in the morning. And that's kind of how we became friends. Right. I think the first thing uh, you're kind of forgetting is I, I think I asked you, so he kind of creeped on me and my friend Jason at breakfast for a while. There. Oh, that is he, true. He didn't. Uh, Wait, Jason who? Capello. Oh, okay. He yeah. was one of the wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, we would come in after lifting and we'd see him, uh, Josh and his couple of friends just sitting there. They'd stare at us. So finally, the one day I was at the gym and I think he came early and I just came up, asked him and stuff like that. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I played rugby for the college and all this. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, I'm thinking about trying CrossFit. And I'm like, no, you don't try powerlifting. He's like, oh, what's that? And then I explained it. And then that's when he fell in love with it. Yeah. And you started programming for me right away and even like we went on i met you in the spring mm-hmm. and then we went on summer break and you programmed for me every month you'd send me a new excel sheet i just remember like getting that excel sheet from jordan and it was like literally like my bible like i would work in the summer at my lunch breaks i would look at it i would make notes and like i just i looked forward to it so much like just like a big lift, like, you know, I'm like, oh, the third week of this, I get to try to like max my squat or do something like that. I just remember printing that Excel sheet. It was just like my holy grail, like in the summer and when we came back to school. So I forgot about the CrossFit stuff. That's <laughs> which m- most my programming, it wasn't all that freaking hard. I just basically based it off the prior open table. Yeah. And stuff and I, like that. So. I still had, I had a lot of conjugate, like it had a lot of like conjugate influence. You could tell, like mm-hmm. it was kind of your own method, but a lot of like, we would, in, we would have speed work, reverse bands, which you called it the future method at that time, which is what a lot of people called it. It's now just kind of people say reverse bands. Mm-hmm. Um, first times I really ever got into deadlifting and like, and that stuff. And uh, but yeah, definitely a lot of like Prolipin start, like you do like six by four and, and, you know, kind of like really like follow it, like the percentages and stuff like that. But yeah, I just remember how much I would look forward to getting that training plan every month. And it was just, it was seriously like, 
it was just my everything. It was mm-hmm. so awesome. I actually want we'll to pull it up after the episode. I have them all saved still. Really? On this computer. <laughs> right here. I have every single every single wave. Oh, I gotta see how it's funny to look back. Like it'll be so funny to look back at You're it. Like, what like, was see. I thinking on that one? Right. But hey, I got stronger and I like be- I believed in it so much, you know, and I got so much stronger from it. And that's most of what weight training is. Believe in it, keep doing it consistently, and you'll make progress. It's funny because it's absolutely stupid. Right, right. <laughs> but it's funny because we both like we were so obsessed with powerlifting. And I still love powerlifting and I coach people in powerlifting and and have a gym and stuff, but he does Highland games now and I do strongman. So we both bonded over powerlifting. And then now we, you know, we kind of both found our own, own little niche sport basically. Yeah. yeah. And, but I mean, powerlifting did create a very good base for both of our things. 100%. So, I mean, I mean, you talk, uh, so one of the guys that was at the gym, Dom Desiseris, De- mm-hmm. he, it was interesting because he was the Olympic lifter of the gym and whatever he would do accessory wise was powerlifting based. So we had the base of everything with powerlifting and yep. that, then you could just build off of that into strongman or then with me, Highland games. I just have to do say, I just do a little bit more explosive stuff, which I'm sure you still do right. explosive stuff, jumps, throws, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Whereas Highland games, that's all it is. The only real kind of static is picking up the caber and that's about it after that. Then it's still, yeah dynamic that's what i like about strongman and i'm sure you're the same way with uh highland games but it's i get to train like more of an athlete again yeah you played sports growing up i played sports and like doing powerlifting i just you don't have to train powerlifting as static as we trained it yeah like you can do a lot of like farmers carries and stuff like that but like i just love having different athletic events to train for and stuff now it's just Mm -hmm. it's fun throwing stuff and running with stuff and and jumping and sprinting I, i i like it so much more we got so me even like towards the end of my power thing, like I got so statically strong and muscle bound. It just wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't functionally strong at all. I just, when I was out in Missouri, lived out there for a little bit, the, I competed at Missouri strongest man and got second. Oh yeah. That. I remember. And that was a whole new ball game for that. I mean, the gym I was at uh, iron fortress they had everything, sandbags, logs, yeah. yoke, all that type of stuff. But I mean, it was still, new for me i your one podcast you're like try novice do all this and that i i was the one that did not do novice yeah. i jumped straight to open middleweight yeah uh it's easier when you have a base of strength though yeah it was one of those i saw the numbers and i was just like i can hit them or a little bit of prep i can hit them type yeah. of thing so i just wanted to try it and it was a lot of fun it's just now the gym i'm currently at is a little bit tough to do that but i still play yeah. on doing at least maybe one strongman comp a year, maybe not this year, but going forward, be like, right. do one strongman comp and that's it. Yeah. Or a year. So you, so you got the train of 580 tonight. What did you yep. think of the, what did you think of the gym for your first time seeing it in person? Dude, it was amazing. Yeah. I am so proud of you putting yeah. that all together. I appreciate that. I've, it's like showing you and gray is like showing like my dad, you know, it's like showing mm-hmm. like your like dads, you know, the people that like, you know, I want Carrington to come see it too. And people that we'll talk about, but like, it's so fun to like, have you back with like my new crew, you know, and like mm-hmm. have everyone in there it was a perfect night for you to come. Cause everyone was there and we had the full atmosphere. So, and heck, I mean, it was like, 
I've never met any of them in my life. And I just bonded with most of them right away. It, yeah. We have like, seriously, we have such a friendly, nice, helpful, just group of guys. Like mm-hmm. we, they, we can cut up and talk shit like no other, but like, yeah. honestly, when it's all said and done, like every when it's time to like flip the switch and help each other and stuff, it's, it's amazing that mm-hmm. like just the crew we have. So, yeah. Um, but so we started, the powerlifting club, me, you, Gray, Carrington. I think Carrington was really a big driving force behind it. He was the first president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, so we started the powerlifting club in college. And we actually had that one picture. You know the picture in the library in that room at one of our meetings? Yes. We had a huge club for a while. I think we were between 20 and 30. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, we, I think we about touched 30 people. We had a dude with and, three fingers on one hand. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and like we would run put we ran two push pulls and then we actually had two sanctioned meets ran at our college and uh through rps yeah through the rps and um and yeah so we we did that um and i'm trying to think what other like kind of how i want to how i want to go into like stories um what I, basically trying uh, to figure out a chronological order or yeah what? i mean i just said i had so much i had so much it's so it was so awesome when i posted this today and people just send stuff and that just makes you laugh so hard because you remember it like i remember going to breakfast like after we had our 6 a.m crew i remember when we go to breakfast after mm-hmm. and it literally became like as i started to train more and uh you know my appetite started to get bigger. I was probably 145, 150 pounds when I started. Mm-hmm. And as you strength train and everything, and it, so there would be probably like eight to 12 of us go and like, we would be like sweaty Mike there and stuff. And it would be a bloodbath in that, in that cafeteria to see who could eat the most Yeah, every right. single morning. Like it was sweaty. Mike sent me to, to remind me to bring up Haas burgers. Cause they would make, we'd make a custom, like the chef would make us a custom burger mm-hmm. in the mornings, like a breakfast. Chef Joe yeah. Chef there. Joe. But like, I'm talking like, you know, sweaty Mike who could eat, he could eat more than we got a food challenge, but dude had washboard abs, but never seen him sit down a human that can sit down at Chinese and eat a dozen egg rolls like him. (laughs) But Jordan would go and grab six donuts and like a full plate of eggs and all this stuff. And Mike would go and grab eight donuts and like more on his plate. And then I'd kind of try to go and get 10 and like. We'd see who could drink the most chocolate milk. Okay, we're washing it. Down Cho- chocolate, chocolate milks milk. were that was a staple. Like I'd have four glasses of chocolate milk in front of me, <laughs> and like oh, it was just I just remember like, and that's kind of been like the culture, like not just in eating, but like that crew that we had in college. Like there would be no five eighty because we had like the crew I'm trying to re- I tried to replicate at five eighty in college. Like we had such mm-hmm. a good training crew with everyone. Everyone kind of had their thing. Even if you didn't do powerlifting, like still help out, still were at the gym, stuff like that. So oh, yeah, that like set, when I opened my own gym, it was like, this is what I want. I want to bring back this old school training, you know, crew that, you know, just push each other in every aspect, mm-hmm. you know, the, my favorite one. Except now you're not getting fat. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Jordan was what you competed was 242. The heaviest you competed at. So I would say in college, my heaviest was 220 that I competed in. And then in after college, I competed 242. But yeah. I actually weighed, when I did 242, I was 233 when I weighed in at that. But bulking past that, I think my heaviest was 255. Yeah. I'm five foot nine. Right. So we're, we're like the same exact height almost. 
And you got up to in the 250s. I got up in the 240s. Gray was like 330. <laughs> and now Gray's 220. Jordan's what? 210. 210. Cutting I'm 175. Two, and I'm cutting down to 200 <laughs> for Highland Games. So. We all just we all just kind of like lost so much weight and do different stuff now. But um, so speaking, of, I guess uh, this is another story I want to tell. It doesn't. I get you were around when it was happening, but so I actually own a supplement company now. Mm-hmm. We're fully restocked with watermelon horsepower. Mixed bear will be here in about two to two and a half weeks. So you guys can order horse watermelon horsepower. But in college, me and my roommate, and still to this day, one of my best friends, Tyler, we used to hand make pre workout in little plastic Ziploc bags and then sell them mm-hmm. in the gym. And like I was telling you before this, it's funny, like it's come full circle. Like I actually have, you know, like you can see it in the background right there, but got uh, like my own official supplements and stuff. So that was funny selling pre-workout to like people in the gym. And even so even change your formulation just so that like the varsity girls soccer team could use it yeah, and stuff like yeah. that because they couldn't have too much caffeine in their system. Yeah. According to NCAA regulations. Yeah. So we were like, we would go to my bedroom and we we would buy huge tubs of Gatorade for the flavoring. And then we just bulk ordered like creatine, caffeine, beta alanine, taurine. And we literally hand mixed it. We would weigh everything out by hand. And then the way we shook it, we literally just closed the Ziploc bag and shook it. And like thinking back, like some guys probably got like 600 milligrams of caffeine in one scoop. And then the next scoop, like a hundred, you know? So like, I still have that whole formula on that computer too. It'd be funny to look at that. But, um, the gym going back to Heron Hall, it was so fun. Like it was so fun and special. There was a guy named Chuck Bond that ran it and he ran it for probably what, like 30 plus years. Like he was there he was, forever. Chuck was a legend at Cal and he's re- since retired. He was what there? He was hockey there when he was back in college. I, I can't even remember. Okay. I'm not sure. Don't but quote me on Chuck that. was, Chuck was the old guy that ran the gym and he's, he's doing well in retirement now, listens to vinyls and posts them on Instagram. But he kind of kept us all in check. And uh, so we'll, we'll probably mention Chuck a couple times that we do. He was like the big boss of the gym that ran it. I was a manager of the gym later on. So was Gray. We, so we would work at the gym and we also lifted there. And, uh, and there's just so many stories. And I'm looking through this list and I'm just trying. My first, I get my, the first show we ever ran, we ran a push pull. Jordan pooped his pants on his max ever. Yep. That was was it 585 or was it 600? It was 545. 545? Yep. I couldn't remember what it was. Five plates and a quarter. But the funny thing about that, so the, of course, I got done. There, It was such a grinder. You know how like you're in the zone, stuff like that. You don't really hear anything. I came out of that zone and still heard people it, yelling for me. It may have been one of the longest clean reps I've ever seen, like no hitching or anything. Yeah. Like it was, and I remember I'm standing right there like three feet away because we were training partners. Like I'm sure we were helping each other out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you got done and you looked at me and you said, I just shit my pants. I thought he was joking. No. And he... I went the, straight to the bathroom. Went straight but to the bathroom. The thing was, they were out of toilet paper at the bottom bathroom. So I had to walk past everyone else up to the top by the basketball courts and go to that bathroom. And that was like one of my first intros, like a power thing meet, like <laughs> this dude shit in his pants. And it's just so funny. I, I remember that. You know, one good one, Carrington will appreciate this. It got sent to me uh, by a girl that was in our club. We used to, so now there's like all, there's a million nose torques, right? And this reminds me how broke we were in college. We used to go to Dollar General, me and Carrington. You remember what I'm going to say? 
And yeah. we used to buy the actual tubs of ammonia. The liquid ammonia. Like liquid, big, like, what is that? Like a gallon jug? Yep. Basically like toilet bowl cleaner. Yeah. To- yeah. Essentially toilet bowl cleaner. And we would keep that at the gym. And that was our smelling salt. Lemon ammonia. And we have... We actually have pictures. If you go on my Instagram, there's a picture of me deadlifting and there's just a jug of lemon ammonia right in front of it. And that was Carrington's doing. It was like, a, I'm pretty sure it was a dollar or maybe two bucks at Dollar General. And we did that instead of nose tort. And legitimately, it wasn't like at the gym. He would at and the first couple RPS meets that he did, he would take it up to the bench platform, sit there, sniff yep. it, put it down and then bench. And literally the whole crowd is like, what is yeah. he doing? Yeah. Looking at us like we're crazy. And uh, we like we weren't super hardcore, like we weren't like a West Side, but like definitely there were some people that like like Gray. Like I always tell this story, and if he was on here right now, he would remember the exact sets and reps. But this is one of my favorite stories of all time. We were training. This is when I didn't train at six a.m. It was like later on. I don't know if you were graduated yet or like my schedule. I just had to train in the afternoon with him and Goku and some other people, mm-hmm. and. A kid, I'm not going to mention his name on the, on the podcast. I want to call him out, but he asked us and asked us and asked us to train with us and like, sure. Like, but you got to do like our training program. Like, and you, like, you know, we don't miss days. We train these four days a week Mm -hmm. and it was the kid's first ever deadlift day with us. And I want to say it was supposed to be three sets of four on deadlift. And he dropped it on a third rep on his third rep and walked away. And Greg goes, what the, what the F are you doing? And he's like, ah, I'm not going to, I'm just going to pull triples. Like, no, we're doing three sets of four at this percentage. And he's like, oh, I'm not doing that. He goes, well, then you're not training with us. And the kid, you know, whatever he thought, I think he thought Gray was joking. And we show up the next time to train and Gray goes, what are you doing? He's like, you're not training with us. You didn't do, you did three sets of three, not three sets of four. It's just so crazy. Like, this is how crazy of a person Gray is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, at the time I kind of thought like that too. And like, but it was just like, we put our program together and I'm going to say that next, but, um, and it meant so much to gray. Like I was telling like how much Jordan's programming meant to us. So like, it was like our everything. And, uh, Greg goes, no, you're not training with us. He's like, yeah, I am. No, you're not. And he's, and he's like, well, what do I do? He goes, you have to go outside and fight me. He's like, you, you have to go outside, he's like, fight me and you can train with us. And the kid thought he was joking and got in his face and he wasn't joking. And that kid never came around again, ever came around again. Uh, it's just say so yeah, I probably would have remembered that if I was still in school. So my my guessing is it was I probably graduated. at the very end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's just such a funny story. Like I don't I don't want to say like we were like a hundred percent hardcore, but do you remember Kelsey puking on the platform? Yep, that got sent in. <laughs> Kelsey Gavlik, who was in our was that in club. during the push pull, or was that just a normal training there, Max? I out? think it was just a normal. I might I, be I think wrong. It, yeah. I think it was during like normal. Yeah, we were just, we were just, yeah. Because I think that was the day Carrington, I think might've tried to go 570. I know he he pulled like, that was a huge number. Okay. I I thought he was going to try and I thought he was going for 600 that day, but I think I hit, he hit a PR, but I don't, I don't remember what he maxed out, but yes, I do remember Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey puking was hilarious. Um, So this one got sent in a couple of times. I'm just, I'm just hoping we're, we're past the statute of limitations. I think we are. But so I, I mentioned, we started our powerlifting club in college and we were all graduating and it was basically like, 
we knew the Pelican Club wasn't gonna like it. We it was all of us. Like Jordan was gone. I'm leaving. Carrington's leaving. Gray's pretty much gone. He still lives in Cal, but like he's not gonna be at the school. Basically, all of us were graduating, going our separate ways. So we had all this cash for our powerlifting club. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, we're not gonna give it back to the school and be like, pass it along because not there's not gonna be a club next year. You know, like f the man type thing. So. The last ever sanctioned show we had, we we're like, we're going to just go out after and we're going to ring up like a hell of a bar tab, like a hell of a bar tab. And it's just going to be the club money. It was like, you know, T-shirt sales, maybe some fundraisers we did, sponsors, you know. And we went to a local bar, J. Cools, and we rang up a doozy. And Carrington <laughs> handed, him, money. handed him a wad of cash. And thank you to all our sponsors and t-shirt sales and everything like that. Cause you guys paid for college kids to have a hell of a night. And that was kind of like our send off. It was, it was awesome. Like it was, it was like post the RPS meet. Yeah. RPS Inferno two. Yep. And so we went to the bar. I don't even want to know what that bill was. I mean, for college kids, it was huge, you know, like, and you know, we were just anyone that was affiliated with our club, buy them a drink, buy them a drink. And, I was doing $5 buckets in the cranberry, yeah. cranberry vodka buckets. But I got up on a table in the bathroom, or I don't know if it was in the bathroom or on the floor, on the dance floor, and I stone cold two beers. And there's a picture of me somewhere, and I got to find it. But it's just two beers, just stone cold, and that got sent in a couple of times. But don't want to get in any legal trouble. Hopefully we're past the statute of limitations. <laughs> Sorry for anyone that we would make mad about that, but. Because I think that was the first time that I, at Inferno 2, we met Swede Burns. Yeah. Yeah. He brought a bunch of his lifters, keyhole barbell guys there. Yeah. But those are just some of my favorite. I'm trying to think of, like, there's so many I can go on and on, but it gets really, like, inside. But the spending all our club's money on alcohol, like, for our send-off was just literally my favorite thing ever. Like, that's a great. top that. No, that was a great story. We, and we used to have a. When we were all balking, there was a so our college had. If you guys know Cal UFPA, I'm sure most of you guys that are listening do. It's like such a little isolated town. I think when we went there, there was like three. If you count loggerheads, like a four four restaurants you could go to in the whole town without going through a toll or taking this crazy back way. Mm-hmm. And we the Chinese place that's no longer there, from what I hear, you could go there for lunch, five five dollars flat, right? Yep. And sweaty we'll include taxes, yes, whatever. Sweaty Mike's just salivating right now. So sweaty Mike, he I said it earlier, but like washboard abs, like a true like eight pack. Yeah, but eight the worst diet I've ever seen. Worst diet I've ever seen. But it we must were, have been the sweatpants that he always wore. Yeah, that's how he got the name burned, Sweaty yeah, Mike. Burned it all off wearing the sweatpants. He was my first ever friend I made in college. Really? Met him the first day. Yeah. Uh, but so we would go there, a group of us, like I said, five dollars. You could eat as much as you wanted. And she would even, if you wanted to, to go, she would give you a brown paper bag. That you could take it to go. So all these guys like that are into lifting and you could go and just sit in this, this Chinese place all day for $5. And it wasn't like, it was like a short lunch. It wasn't like 11 to one. No, it was, I'm pretty sure like 10 30 till four. Yeah. You could it just was sit like there. six hours that you could eat lunch there. And I'm sure we had days where we sat there for three, three hours. Yeah. And I swear to God, I've seen sweaty Mike in a sitting meet over 20 egg rolls. <laughs> As Dakota's listening, I know he can attest to it, but I never seen a kid that can eat them. We have this food challenge coming up this week 
it was, I guess when this released, it was yesterday, but the video will be out hopefully this week where we try to eat as many calories as we can between a couple of us. But I, I've never seen a human that can eat like Mike. Never. I mean, I'm just saying like a dozen donuts at breakfast with like a full meal along with it was just, that was just normal. Kind of like for a quart him. of milk. Yeah. It was just normal. Quart, for yeah. Uh, I love that guy so much. Uh, um, but you're also got to remember that $5, you're not getting like a full, like freaking Chinese buffet type thing. It was like general sauce, chicken, sweet and sour chicken. And like one other type of chicken, white rice, fried rice, and like wings and like yeah. a couple other veggies. And it was like 10 different things, but you could literally just keep piling your plate. Mike, Mike Reese told me to tell the, I'm looking through some of our Instagram questions now. And uh, he said, tell the story about Chuck's secret lair. I hope Chuck doesn't get mad if he listens to this, but we well, read his secret lair. Anymore. Yeah, that's true. But I just don't want to. Uh, yeah. But uh, so Chuck ran the gym. And one day, I don't know if it was me and Mike Reese who sent in that question or me and Gray or who I was working with. But Chuck, we're sitting there and he had an office downstairs. Everyone knew where Chuck's office was. He said, hey, go up to my office and get me so-and-so. We're like, dude, we're, we're sitting at your office. What are you talking about? He's like, no, my real office up in the basketball gym, go in the closet and go up the steps. And I worked at this gym, trained in it for like, you know, five years, whatever. And I'm like, oh my God. So we open this closet and there's like an old stairwell that leads upstairs. And we found out Chuck for like 30 years had a secret lair with like a full bed, couch, shower, food, spitters everywhere. <laughs> And it was just the funniest thing ever. We just find this secret room in the gym that's like no one ever knew where it was. You didn't even know where it was till tonight when I told no, you about it. I didn't even know. It was the funniest thing ever. It was also funny with Chuck. He, the couple times, like Cal U was so strict. Like if you didn't have like a pass or if your car didn't work or anything like that, they wouldn't let you in. You oh, it was, pay. yeah, it was a tight ship. Well, I just walk in and be like, hey, Chuck. Or like the year after I graduated, I came in to help during a lifted like a couple times with them. And I was like, hey, Chuck. He's like, let him in. He's good. Yeah. Thanks, Chuck. Chuck, like Chuck, he did so much for our powerlifting club, like letting us do stuff. Shut down the gym for a full day a couple times uh, in the years we were there to run the push pull. Mm -hmm. Donated all the plates from the gym for our actual sanctioned shows for the warm-up room, along with bars. Yeah. So like he did so much for us. Chuck was Chuck was the man. Anyone from college listening knows who Chuck is, and he was the man. And Brenda helped us so much too. Mm-hmm. It was funny at one time when I was the manager. I was a manager. Gray worked my shift with me. Um, Joey was the graphic designer for the gym, and Tyler was an assistant at the gym. So like we had just a total chokehold on the operations of the gym. I still remember once like six a.m when I was lifting or whatever, and Gray had like the 6 a.m. shift, he'd just be pushing his brain. Oh, yeah. Just walking around. This is one I forgot to bring up when we were talking. Do you, so this is my favorite story. I, I didn't tell you about it before because I want to bring it up. Okay. But I used to be – so before I managed the gym, I would what, – what's the little thing called when you work at the front desk at a, in a dorm? Can you, like, check guests in and out? I just – like, I forget what the name was, but like, I was a desk assistant, basically. Yeah, I, I, but you just sat in a room and like my shift, I worked midnight to 8 a.m. And I just did it one day a week. And Jordan and Gray, you remember this? Mm-hmm. At midnight came in for weeks and weeks and we would sit down and we would, we 
we thought we were like revolutionary, you know, cause we all were like starting to get well-read. Jordan was the most well-read. Gray was second. I was kind of third. Well, and Gray was also going for. Yeah. Exercise science. Yeah. And, um, we created a method called the Weldrickson method. So it was, we tried, well, we tried with Hen Wilson. Yeah. First. But I think we decided on Weldrickson. Weldrickson. So it's Welker, Drick, you know, Hendrickson, and then Son for some Gray's last name. It was all our last names put together, Weldrickson method. And we ran it for a while, the method. It was a bastardized version of like the cube, the the conjugate. We kind of took all our influences from the time, like 531, the cube and conjugate, Mm -hmm. and put it in our own training program. And we ran it for a while. But I just remember just these guys like, showing up we'd all have our notebooks and it was just a round table of us three and we would just like develop our own training method um that we i mean we weren't we weren't like pioneering anything it was just what we liked and we put it all together and uh well and while we were doing it it was back when oh uh oh ed cohen was like oh you need to work your pinky strength so that you can hold on to the barbell so we would all be sitting there with like the oh yeah paper clip the, things and yeah working on our finger strength oh i remember doing that i remember taking them into my shift and i'll yep. do it for like eight hours mm-hmm. oh my gosh that's so funny <laughs> that is so funny um but that's like that's like my one of my favorite training stories of all time it's just sitting down like it's just you meet all these like-minded people and like i try to i try to like younger lifters that are coming up like through my gym or that I talk to, like I I try to instill like what you instilled in me is like read, like Mm -hmm. know what you're talking about. Like you see my books up, like all those West side books up there and, and conjugate books and stuff. And like, like it was, Jordan was like, I'll help you, but you need, like, I'm going to lead you to water and then you're going to need to learn how to fish on your own. Like I'll program for you, but you need to understand like, why I'm doing this. And like, if you coach someone, you need to understand like, you're not just throwing shit at a wall and hoping it sticks. Mm -hmm. Like you need just remember like reading all the elite FTS and like Mm -hmm. the books and stuff. And like, we haven't even really talked about in the pod, but like Louie passing away, obviously like guys like us, like we worship Louie, like, like we'd sit at my house and just talk like, Hey, you know, like, did you see this in the bench manual, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, what do you think about trying this? Or it wouldn't even be in the bench manual or something like that and be like, oh, did you watch this West Side video that mm-hmm. they tried this? I was just like, oh, crap. And say, we could try to throw that in there or all that type of stuff. <laughs> I just thought I just thought about a story I can't tell. But, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so like that's what I try to instill in like kids coming up now is like do your homework. Don't just do something because it's like trendy or you see like a dude with like silly glasses on instagram doing you know like Mm -hmm. you know do your research and like especially now like in 2022 there's so much free content out there it's crazy yeah well louis i told it once on here but i want to tell again we were talking before the pod i think carrington actually did it like carrington called louis or sent him an email or something Mm -hmm. it was like hey we have a powerlifting club like we're doing we're taking sponsorships and like we I can't, did, it was a big debated thing. Do we put Westside on our shirts or not? We did. We did. Yeah. Like, so Louis sponsored our club, but so Carrington must've reached out to him. And like, you know, we were just getting like local bars and stuff and never thought Louis would actually sponsor our club, but shows up to Carrington's house, a huge box. Oh my, I can't even tell you what, 30 manuals, something like that. 30, 30 manuals, probably five, 10 weightlifting belts. 
Um, what straps? Straps, I'm gonna say, I don't know if it was a pair of bands all the way up to like from minis all the way up to yeah, a whole band set. I mean, probably like if you actually look at the retail, thousands of dollars. Yeah, and Louis just I think had a note in there for us, like stay strong or mm-hmm. something, put this to good use, stay strong yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and like it's just so crazy. We haven't touched on Louis passing away at all, but like I'm so happy that we got to go out and train at West Side a couple of times and mm-hmm. meet Louie. And um, heck, the one time yeah. we went out there, we didn't, we were just gonna do like do a walk yep. around. And Lou was like, what are you doing? This is a gym. So I squatted in jeans. I did a speed squat, yeah. like the infamous monolift in jeans. And I had, luckily I had my chucks in my truck yeah. so I just threw, or my car. So I just threw my chucks on and squatted in jeans and my t-shirt. Yeah. So. I remember like, so we, we go to the, we, you know, we walk into West side with, we knew Tom Barry, who's Tom's, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, Tom's the head guy. Great knew him pretty. I would say great. Talked to him a lot. Uh, yeah, I talked to him about. a decent amount. We went to his seminar. Um, but you know, we walk in and Louis sitting at the reverse hyper leaned over on it. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, and we all walk in and like, to me, that's like, you know, like a, like a teenage girl meeting, like, you know, the Jonas brothers or something. Yeah. I see him. I'm like, Hey Louie, you know, and Louis looks at us and just like Jordan said, he goes, what the hell are you guys doing? I'm like, Oh, we just came to visit. He's like, aren't you training? I go, we can train. He goes, it's a gym, isn't it? <laughs> you know, like he was just so I don't have many Louis stories, but like that day was seriously probably my favorite training day in my life. I hit the biggest triple I've ever hit raw to that date and on bench. And I got up and people know me. I talk a lot like jokingly and I get up and I said, what do you think about that, Louis? And he said, you're not strong enough to get on my woman's board. <laughs> and I was, you know, like, oh, I got such a hoot out of it. And and he he made fun of us again for the women's board because we were getting, we were at the end of the training. We we're like, Louie, can we get a picture with you? And I was posing for my single picture with him. And it was in front of the women's board. He said, it's a, it's good. You do in front of the women's board instead of men, since you're so weak. <laughs> That's what he said to me. And it was just like, he was so honest. Yeah. And he only cared about lifting. I remember him asking us our numbers. Like, you know, he just, that's all he cared about. And, and he honestly cared. He, yeah. It, you, it didn't matter if you were a hundred pound squatter or a thousand pound squatter. If you asked him a question and he had the answer, he was going to give it to you. Yeah. And, but Louis literally like that quote's going around a lot born whenever died, died yeah. never. Yep. And, and that's so true. Like Louis will never die. And I can't think of a, I can't think of a death that will happen in strength and conditioning. That's more influential than Lou dying. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, point probably Phil Hatfield. Yeah. Fred, Fred Hatfield. Hatfield. Sorry. I have his book up there too, but, um, but, uh, yeah, just to tie it back into the club, like, and Louie passing away, he, he walked the walk, man. He, he sent us that whole box and sponsored our powerlifting club. Just a bunch of us. Just, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that I got to meet him and, and, you know, his, his education will, will live on forever. And me and Josh had, I, I was that night that he died. I texted him, Hey, did you see this? And stuff like that. And I could have swore that I didn't have a picture with Lou and Gray's like, you dumbass. Yes, you do. Yeah. And then I finally found it and stuff like that. And yeah. if you actually look at my profile picture, that's when I made it. But also at the same time, I'm just like, I can't remember. I'm like, I remember the group picture, but I didn't remember any uh, single, but I ended up actually getting a single picture with him. But, but yeah, I, uh, some some people just like randomly ask questions about like call like college. This is a good question. What was and like people I'm sure can relate. What was your favorite meathead exercise to do looking back? Like, do you ever have like a thing to I know mine, but 
but like mine was um running the rack like for arms yeah you would like start at like the 15s and do like you know six to eight curls and then go up to the next one and then come all the way back down everyone had like that one bro exercise I they think love mine, to do mine was just like 21s 21s that's yeah. a, I, I feel like that's a common one comment comment on the youtube video if you're listening on youtube what your favorite meathead exercise was because i'd be curious to hear like what people because it's so funny there's there's like that like group of like five to ten exercises like every bro did you know mm-hmm. and uh uh that that's a really good question that or even just stupid drop sets yeah or something like that what was the point that made you get into lifting what made you get into lifting so i played uh baseball in high school then i tried out for the college team i didn't make the actual varsity team but i played the club team for two years but i got into when I got to college, I was just like, eh, I still like baseball and stuff like that, but I just didn't quite have the love for it anymore. And then I read an article. Uh, it was in men's, no, muscle and fitness or strength, fitness, muscle and strength, whatever magazine or something like that. The front page was Derek Poundstone holding this stone. And in the book uh, or in the magazine, it was the guy had the juggernaut method, Chad Wesley Smith read that and i was just like oh okay and then in the same magazine it also had an article about chuck vogelpohl and that was just blew my mind that there was a human that could squat 1175 1025 at 220 pounds body weight now that was before i knew that there's there's gear there's gear but still having that on your back even even like deadlifting with a suit probably doesn't help as much as what most people think but i mean still pulling 800 against bands in training and stuff like that. I was just like, I didn't know people could get that strong because you saw, I would always grow up watching world's strongest man. I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. Genetically. I'm not, I'm not able to do that. So, but yeah, that's, that's, that's how I got into it. But on a lesser scale, like play, I was playing rugby and I was like one of the smaller guys on the team. So I just like naturally, like I'm like, I'll go to the gym and just do like a bro split, you know, and like try to get bigger. And then I saw guys like this and I was like, I remember I, I still, it's on my Facebook. It pops up my memories once a year, your 495 squat mm-hmm. in the blue slingshot knee wraps. Yep. And I remember coming home and telling no, everyone no, I was in blue shorts and red slingshot. Well, a red slingshot. Yeah. Yep. It was and, at Lily Bridges at the time. Yeah. And I remember telling everyone at the gym, I'm like, my training partner at college squats 495. Like, you know, that was like the biggest thing ever to me. And like, and it's just like, I'm, I saw these guys. I'm like, I want to get strong like that. And that's, just, that's how I really got into it. And the funny thing was like each, like going up through, you always had that dude that was always stronger than you. So mm-hmm. like when I came in, it, that was Zach Petrick. Oh yeah. So I was always trying to match Zach. And Zach. Dude, he was on another level. Yeah. That, well, like that's, I didn't even touch on that, but like at one point in our gym, you know, we had some really impressively strong guys. Oh, like, like even like they would be like impressive right now, like in competitive powerlifting. Yeah. Like Zach, Zach was on another level. He, so Zach Patrick trained at our gym and I remember him, him hitting in the gym 600 for reps Mm -hmm. and he would pull in the sixes for reps too. Yep. Heck he was even best squatter. I can ever remember watching in a gym. His form was impeccable. And, but he was one of those guys. I remember like, it took me the courage to ask him. And I'm like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? And he'd be like, you know, Zach had no science or anything behind it. He was like the complete opposite of Jordan. I remember him sending me a text. He's like, one day do some doubles 
And then like the next week do a heavier double. And then the third week add bands. And I was like, why? He's like, oh, I just, I like doing heavy doubles. And that's it. I'm like, do you just do them for everything? He's like, yeah, pretty much. I'm like, what do you do after? He's like, uh, whatever I feel like it. Sometimes I just leave. Yeah. And it, it's just like, he was such a freak. Like when you're, when you're 18 and you're watching someone squat in the sixes for reps and like squat in the sixes for reps, like yeah, Barry reps. He took Zach took two or three years off from powerlifting mm-hmm. and came back and did a 110 person meet RPS Inferno two. Yep. And he won best lifter to me. You can say, I, I know he benched like 440 or 450 or something like that. Yeah. At, at 220, he was benching mid fours. Mm-hmm. He was pulling upper sixes and squatting's probably sevens. Close to at seven least at least. Sixes for sure. Yeah. Close to seven. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, it's just like, yeah. And so that's like, those are the type of guys we had in it. Rest in peace, Brian Smith. If you remember Brian Smith, mm-hmm. he, he's passed away. He was, he, he walked in. So he was like a typical bodybuilder dude. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, well, I want to do your push pull. So I'm like, okay. And he walks in, he tries opening at 400, which we didn't make a, or 405, which we didn't make a rule that you couldn't drop the weight that after your first. Oh yeah. Yeah. On bench. You're talking about on bench. Yeah. Yeah, but he comes in, missed, didn't know that he had to pause. So no doubt my mind bench is four four or five, but doesn't pause. Yeah, but he then we're like, yeah, go ahead, and he touches or pauses three eighty five, like it's nothing. Pulls, pull ends up pulling six hundred. Yeah, like it's nothing. And you know, when we say that we're pulling on stiff bars, you know, like we're just using gym beater bars. Yeah. And, but man, just the level of strength that we had around Jordan was super strong. Carrington towards the end got a super strong deadlift. Mm -hmm. Even like Goku, Goku, he little short, my my little buddy I used to train with and like still keep in touch with him here and there. But like he was squatting in the fives. Do you remember Dana? Dana Horner. Dana Horner was probably pound for pound the strongest kid ever in that gym. Oh, easily. One, 148, pulled over six. Yep. Squatted over five mm-hmm. and bench threes yep. at, at, at 148. And it's just like, holy crap. Yeah. And because I would look at my starting form and then he'd be pulling from a deficit and he'd have the same starting form as I would have off the floor. Like, yeah. Oh my, it had genetics that like worked for it was his just, advantage. It was great to watch. Yeah, that's just what I'm saying. Like we had just that golden era where it was just there were so many freaks. Mm-hmm. Just having like, and that I mean, you look back at it, that made me so much better. Mm-hmm. Like it may, it makes you it makes you so good. And we're not even talking about the dudes that were bodybuilders that didn't even train at the same time because there was there was some monsters. There was two kids. One he was. Six three, six four, two seventy five with abs, yeah. type of thing. There's another kid that was bigger than him. So one day I was, I I couldn't lift in the morning for some reason. So I came at like one or two in the afternoon or something like that. So I came up, I started doing. I would, I can't remember if I was doing block pulls or if I was doing shrugs. I think it was block pulls, and I was doing three fifteen, which at the time was like whatever. This dude comes up. He's like, "Hey, do you mind if I work in with him?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Comes in double overhand grips. Doesn't even hook grip it. Shrugs it for like 15 reps. And he's like, "Thanks, man," and just leaves. So I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, just just like they that was, that was freakish. But they never did any like push pulls, so we never got to see how strong they were. Because I know the one kid, uh, he was doing 315 on incline for sets of 10. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I was just oh. <laughs> but um, the last thing I want to say before we wrap it up is my one of my favorite things about God, the two, we have so many stories. We uh, for so we'll far. we'll have to do it again. I mean, yeah. we can just hop on Zoom and do it. But yeah, and we'll have to throw Gray in here, and if Carrington wants to come on, some other people too. But uh, was our Arnold trips. Yeah. Like going to the Arnold every year was like that was like the mecca, you know. Go up on Friday, come home Sunday night after, and like just m- meeting these guys that like at the time were just like heroic to us, you mm-hmm. know. And like we trained at Matt Wenning's gym. Yeah, Matt met Matt Wenning at Texas Roadhouse. So I, yeah, because I met him at the Arnold, got a picture with him, and then we were going to Texas Roadhouse after, and he was on the phone with his mom outside the restaurant. And we were just kind of like standing there, like, oh crap, that's like Matt Wenning. And, and Matt, no shade on Matt Wenning, but he was broke. This is this is pre-belt squad. This is 2014. I thought I thought he was already had the he was with the military. He was the point a little bit, but not okay. like he does now. Because I remember we had we had to pay him decent amount to come by and train because mm-hmm. he told me like having trouble keeping the lights on and stuff. And so Matt was so good to us. If you guys don't know who Matt Wenning is, look him up. He's one of the biggest coaches in the world now for strength sports Mm -hmm. does a lot with the military fire departments. He developed, he really was one of the ones him and Louie popularized the belt squad. Yeah. And Matt has his own version. And, uh, but Matt was so good to us. You know, he had guys coming in, he had crews coming in and paying hundreds of dollars for a weekend seminar. And Matt would just open his doors to us because we came early on before anyone was paying him for seminars Mm -hmm. and he would open his door to us, you know, Hey, come by, I'm doing a seminar, not charge us. Yep. And, uh, we train at six in the morning with Matt Mm -hmm. and we have so many, like the Louis story was at the Arnold. Um, Matt was at the Arnold. Um, we try to think of some other ones met, you know, obviously you meet like Ed Cohn and stuff, but it was just fun. All of us going and having like a weekend together. Jordan was the one had to sleep on the floor at the hotel room the one year. Was, That's Gray's favorite story. He's laughing right now. That I was watching my buddy compete at the XBC championship. And Josh was like, yeah, you can crash with us. We just don't have enough space in the beds. I'm like, I can sleep on the floor. Yeah. So I get back at like midnight, one in the morning from Buffalo wild wings. And I was like, okay, everyone's asleep. So I grab. So like on hotels or whatever, they have like the thin sheet or like kind of like decorative thing on top. So I grabbed that from them because they weren't having it. It was all stuffed on the floor and I actually like lay down and use that as my blanket. Oh, yeah. That that, that hotel, every hotel, every hotel room we got for the Arnold was it was as cheap as possible. Like it was you had to go outside a certain radius. And even then, like like, it was still kind of expensive. Yeah. Like we were I mean, I'm telling you, we, we were had hotel rooms we stayed in that were $30 a night and we had six of us in it Mm -hmm. you know like it was so funny but it's we were broke in college but the Arnold was my favorite memory we all got to go back one of these years once it gets like really back to normal you Mm -hmm. know like it's crazy I was telling you they didn't have an animal cage this year yeah the animal cage is like a state we used to basically go in and beeline it to the animal cage so we could get to the front yeah because I think one of the first ones I was there, I did not leave. I didn't eat. I didn't drink. I stood by the fence and watched it because it was, uh, it was the time that Eric Lillybridge, Ernie Lillybridge Jr., Ernie yep. Sr., and Stan Efferding were all squatting at the same time. Uh, Eric Spoto was benching. I rem- Do you remember Derek Kendall? Yes. Derek Kendall did his overhead. He did 405 military press overhead for, I think, 10 or more reps. Yeah. I, and Josh Morris and Brandon Lilly, Brandon Lilly Benchin. Mm-hmm. I remember that. 
say so I watched, I forget, oh, this dude, so some dude from California ones. came in. I've never heard of him. And he came like, in. Good Dan Green. Dan Green was the there day. and say, you looked there and I was just like. It was everyone is... you looked up to. Yeah. It was so cool. Then you walked around and you're like, oh, I found Brandon Lilly. I found, you can say, Mark Bell. You'd run into him, Ed Cohen. We never, I can say, I never got to meet Jim Wendler. Me neither. Me neither. It, because it was always Matt Vincent. So, like, we knew Matt Vincent was really good friends with us. I'm like, Matt, when's he coming? He's like, oh, he's not coming. But then later on, like, Gray was like, hey, Jim posted that he's coming or something like that. But we you have always, to... always try to find Wendler and we could never find him. Yep. I say, who, who else? I mean, oh, it's just. Everything, everyone you looked up to, Pete Rubish. I mean, we got to meet uh, Jeremy Hornstra. I met a couple times. Sam Bird, uh, back when he squatted not. Were we there when he squatted nine? I believe so. Nine, I believe so. so, yeah. Little Tommy Callis. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dan, Dan Bell. Dan back Bell, when, back before, before he, he blew up. He, he was like, he was actually a replacement for someone. Like someone couldn't make it because it was a bad snowstorm. And they're like, Hey Dan, can you come up and squat? He's like, yeah, sure. Now so, everyone knows Dan Bill. Yeah. Everyone. Well, he holds the total record. Doesn't yeah. he? But, so, and Dan used to message me on Facebook all the time. Like we used to message all the time. Mm -hmm. He's awesome. But we could go on and on. I, I, I'm so happy we got to do this, but thank you everyone for sending in like topics and stuff. Cause I would have forgot so many of them. And like, I'm sorry, it's like an insider episode, but I love it. I love this guy. I, I, I'm telling you right now, 580 wouldn't exist without him. And uh, I'm so happy you got to stop by. We haven't seen each other in person in years. I say the last years. time was Pittsburgh Open, their first year that they had it over at Union yeah. Fitness. Like 2017. Because it was, yeah, it was funny because it's five was, years since we saw it. It was your first podcast. Yeah. Thing. When Gray and I had a podcast back in college. Uh, yep. Because. So, you even met, talked to Gray, and you're like, oh, I wonder if we're going to see Jordan there. And there I was, and I see you walk in with your big beard oh, at, yeah. the, at the time. I was just like, holy crap, he could actually grow facial hair. <laughs> yeah, but uh, thank you guys so much. And um, so I guess, um, so Horsepower Watermelons fully restocked. Um, check out our YouTube channel this week to find out, and you can watch the whole thing of who ate the most cows. Who do you think is going to win? You met everyone now. You didn't meet Riley, but it doesn't matter. He's not going to win. I Honestly, will say, I mean, uh, let me let, let me just say real quick. So, me, Nick, Frawley, Dante, the winner gets a hundred dollars. If Riley wins, he gets a thousand dollars. I'm giving him a thousand bucks if he wins. That's how confident I am that he's not going to win. Yeah. But that's but who do you think is going to win of the four of us? You met everyone. I, I heard your strategy, but I got to give it to one of the big boys. I'm get Frawley or Nick. I uh, Nick threw out a number. Yeah, he, told me scared me. Like, yeah. he told me he's going to eat 17,000 calories. I mean, <laughs> yes. if it, and I told him straight up, I said, if you hit 17,000, I'm not going to win. Yeah. Like I'm not going to win. So I don't know, but be on the lookout for that. We got another one planned for like the two weeks after not eating challenge, but a really funny strong man go and try video. Um, I'm not going to release it yet, but it's going to be hilarious. Um, so be sure to subscribe to our YouTube, follow us on Instagram, 580 barbell, um and yeah we'll see you guys for episode 71 of the 580 show thank you guys see you guys later